0: Boker Tov, that's how we say it in Hebrew, and you say Boker Or, which means good light. So Boker Tov, Boker Or. See, being Jewish ain't that hard, yeah, it is, so is being Christian. I have a question for you, actually three questions. What does being Christian look like out in the world now? When you open up your phone, you open up your device, you listen to the radio, radio, Hmm. turn on television. What does being Christian look like out in the world now? It's not pretty. In fact, what I'm seeing, it's pretty hurtful, it's pretty harmful pretty haughty, pretty prideful, angry, vicious. What does being Christian look like in the world? Second question, what does being Christian look like in the church? And I mean that with a small c, this one, also with capital C, the church universal. What does being Christian look like in the church nowadays, in the church? You know what's interesting? It's not a lot different than what I'm seeing out in social media or in the news. There's strife, there's pride, there's hurt, there's envy. It doesn't look an awful lot different. Third question, what does being Christian look like in the mirror? What's that look like? We're all here because in some way, shape, or form, we've claimed the name of Christian, but what do we see when we look in the mirror? You know, it's not the title. although. Here's something interesting for you to chew on. The word Christian was first used with Barnabas and Paul and some of the other uh, apostles in Antioch. Antioch was not a particularly favorable place for the early followers of Jesus. But we learn in the book of Acts that the word Christian was first used to followers. Here's something to think about. That was not meant to be a compliment. It wasn't. In fact, it was probably a little derogatory. You had a bunch of human beings being human saying that they were little messiahs. So, what are we going to do? I don't think it's the title. It doesn't seem to be the title. It seems to be that those of us who claim the name of Jesus, who call ourselves Christian who allow others to call us Christian, the problem is that we don't look any different than the world. We just kind of blend in, go along with the flow, and in some cases, we're the ones that are throwing the kerosene on the fire. You ever been to a fish boil? You know, how they got the wood going, they got the kettle going, everything's fine, until they're ready to finish off that last piece, that last boiling, and they take this can of kerosene and throw it on an open fire. And it envelops everything. And Sometimes that's what we do. So then the question is, if that's what it looks like in the world, if that's what sometimes it looks like in the church, if, if sometimes that's what we see in the mirror, then how are we to be different? I have good news. Well, it's not my good news. I'm sharing the good news with you. And the good news is that we were created to be different. We are empowered to be different. We are equipped to be different. And this morning, we're going to take a look at Paul's letter to the church in Rome. To those early believers and His word of exhortation, His word of encouragement, His word of teaching, that to be different means to live sacrificially, to learn transformationally, to labor faithfully. And the fourth one is a kicker, to love unconventionally. I invite you to take your phones, your Bibles. For those of you who haven't memorized, congratulations. We're going to take a look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, the entire chapter, yep, All 21 verses. I am reading from the New American Standard, so please note that if you're reading from the ESV that's in your seats, your pews, or if that's that's the version with which you're familiar or some other version, there might be some differences, but we'll go through those differences as we talk. I invite you to listen now to the Word of God. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each A measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of faith, in service, if service, in his service, or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Plan to do what is right in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Will you please join me in prayer? Our holy and wonderful, unfathomable, incomprehensible God who loves us so much that You came to be one of us in the flesh, Emmanuel. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that by Your teaching, by Your signs and wonders, the authority that You had from the Father established the truth that God indeed is light, and You are that light that brings life to humanity. We thank You, O Jesus, that in Your death and resurrection, You have freed us not only from the power of sin. We don't have to do that anymore but you have freed us from the penalty of that. The joy, the anticipation, the expectation of one day seeing you face to face to live in your presence forever. And we thank you, O Jesus, that you gave us another comforter. You gave us the Holy Spirit who dwells within, that empowers us, to live differently, to be differently, to be Your hands, to be Your feet, to be Your heart in the world. O oh God, as we read Your Word and as the Spirit reveals it to us, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in Your sight, for You indeed are our rock and our salvation. Amen. I'm going to be different. I would prefer that this be more of a living room conversation. who tell you what you should and shouldn't do. You get a lot of people who. Nye, 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 nye. I just want to talk. No one likes to be corrected. No one likes criticism. at least. That's the question that one very wise person sitting in this congregation right at this moment said to me last week. But I had an answer for him, and the answer is that's not true. The people who want to be corrected, the people who will receive criticism are those who want to be better, those who are dissatisfied with just going along those who want to be everything they were created to be. That's the spirit of this. The Spirit's not intended to be critical. The Spirit is not here to say, the spirit of this is, how are we to be different? So, it's more of a living room conversation if that's okay. I might even get up and walk around some of you for a while. Uh, That might be upsetting. I think we'll all get over it. (laughs) But I want to begin by saying to you, by saying to us, reminding us that we are to be different. We are. If you have your Bibles, then I hope you didn't close them because we're going to go through this verse by verse. Verse 1. Paul begins by saying, Therefore, therefore I exhort you or I urge you, brethren, by the mercy of God. So the question is So, what does that mean? What's Paul saying when, by the mercy of God, I'm challenging you, I'm calling you to something? I am so glad you asked. Because what Paul is referring to, the word therefore in Greek literally means everything that came before. So, are you ready? We're going to do 11 chapters of Romans in about a minute. Chapter 1, Paul makes it very clear that people who don't know the revelation of God through the law, the Gentiles… They still have the opportunity to know God through creation. God has revealed Himself marvelously through creation, marvelously through the people who know Him. And yet those who have seen and witnessed and experienced have essentially said, no thanks. And God has said, I'm going to let that go and see where that gets you. Bring it up to the current day. Where has that gotten us? Chapter 2. Paul reminds the Jews that you've had the law, you've had Moses, you've had the prophets. God chose you and made you His own. And even with all of that, you have said, no thanks. And where has they gotten them? Chapter 3, Paul says, look, here's the deal. We're all human, all of us. Even though some of us may think we don't measure up to being human, some of us think we are far above human. But we're all human, and so Paul in chapter 3 of his letter to the uh, church in Rome says all of us are separated from God. And you don't go around and say, well, I've never done this, I've never been an axe murderer. That's not the point. But have you thought about putting an axe to somebody? figuratively or literally, and don't say it out loud because, you know, legal ramifications. But have you ever been angry? Have you ever really called somebody a name? Have you ever given them a hand gesture that kind of, you know, communicates what you think about them? Everybody, all humanity is separated from God, regardless of what that separation looks like. Chapter 4. Paul says, but God in His infinite mercy, in His infinite wisdom, called out some unknown by the name of Abram and said to Abram, I am going to do a remarkable thing. Trust Me. Trust Me. Get up, take your family, trust Me. Journey with Me trust me, cling to me, because you, by trusting me, you will then set the mark. Those who trust as you do, those who follow after you in believing in this revelation of God, they will be more than the stars in the heaven. They will be more than the grains of sand on the sea shore. And in doing that, this will be the way that humanity will reconcile. God will reconcile Himself to humanity. Chapter 5. What does that reconciliation look like? Jesus. Of Nazareth, for crying out loud. Nazareth was a back swamp, low down, no, literally, nobody liked it. Even extra-biblically, nobody liked Nazareth. Nothing came that was good out of Nazareth except the Messiah. And Paul says in God's infinite wisdom, He sent His only Son. And because of Him in chapter 5, we are told that even while we were enemies, even while we were yet sinners, please note God didn't do this because we asked. God did this because God wanted. And God made a way. And Jesus in His obedience, even unto death, His blood is an assurance that we are no longer trapped. We don't have to be like the world. And, other side of that coin, we are are no longer to be fearful of the penalty of that. Chapter 6, Paul reminds us that by faith in Jesus, not only are we at peace with God, we are baptized in Jesus, and if we're baptized, we are resurrected with Him. We have the promise of that life that is inexhaustible. For the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. And please, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean gold-paved streets. That doesn't mean gates of pearl. That doesn't mean... Please stop. What it means is the promise, the assurance that we will spend forever, face to face. The Latin has the term quorum Deo. The Catholic tradition calls it the beatific vision, to be in the face, in the presence of God forever. And in chapter 7, Paul goes on and says, dang it, this is so wonderful, but I continue to struggle. Paul, remember? Remember Paul? Saul. Saul, he's the one who wanted to kill followers of Jesus. He was out looking for them, hunting them down, literally hunting them down, wanting to bring them back, to prosecute, to persecute, to kill. And what happened to Saul? Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, this man was changed. Not just changed, not, no, no. It wasn't that, oh, he went blind, or, oh, you know, no, I'm going to change my name. No. Transformed. Transformed from the inside out, totally different. And he was committed. He became the servant. He became the vessel. He became the 13th apostle and committed his life to nothing but serving this resurrected Jesus. And at the end of chapter 7, he says, "Ah, the wretch that I am, because I know how wonderful this is, but I continue to do the very things I don't want to do, and I can't seem to do the very things I'm supposed to do. Who can save me from this? How many times, honestly, how many times has that question snuck into your head? How many? I know some of you are saying, never, I got this down pat good for you. Glad to know that you've matured. But for some of us, it's a struggle. And so we resonate with Paul when he he writes, how can I be freed from this? Verse 1 of chapter 8 says, therefore, which means everything that precedes, therefore there is now no what? There is no condemnation think about that. Friends, think about that. Paul has said God has done everything, everything that needs to be done. Trust that, receive that, believe into. Don't just believe that. Believe into Him. It's not about religion. I don't care what religion you are. It's about relationship. It's not about tradition. I don't care what our traditions are. It's about transformation. It's not about values. I don't care about your values. It's about victory. And who has achieved that for us? Now, chapters 9 through 11, Paul... Oh, no, I've got I to finish with chapter 8 because chapter 8 is remarkable. And folks... Here you go. Cling to this, if nothing else, as soon as Greg finds it. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how will He not also freely with Him give us all things? But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's it. That's it. That is what we were created for. That is what God has accomplished for us. That is what's available to us. That is what makes us different. Except when we don't want to be. So, the question is, how to be different? Chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, therefore, by the mercy of God, we've just rehearsed the mercy of God, Because of all that God has done for you, and this is my translation, so it might be different from yours, present your bodies as a sacrifice, a sacrifice that is living, a sacrifice that is holy, and a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. In other words, day by day, moment by moment, we are to live and breathe as if we are giving our entire selves God. If God has rescued us not only from the power of sin but from the penalty of sin, is there anything less we could possibly give? Is there anything less that is demanded of us? The entirety of our being has been rescued. Think about that. The entirety of our being. It doesn't matter if you're physically disabled. It doesn't matter if you suffer mentally. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or a little money. It doesn't matter if you hit the right BMI target or not. Body mass index, for those of you, because if I say the word obesity, people will get angry. So, it doesn't matter. All of this is for you. And God desires that you live your life in a way that says, I'm giving myself because myself has been fully rescued and fully redeemed. This, according to Paul, this is the acceptable worship. This is great. We need to come together corporately. We need to encourage each other to build one another up, to learn, to grow. But day-to-day life is what God desires living sacrifice in the world, which is hard. Verse 2, but we can't be that sacrifice. We can't be different unless we think different. And so, first is to live sacrificially. The second one is to learn transformationally. Paul, Look at what Paul says in verse 2. Do not conform to this world. You know how we conform? We conform at least in three ways. First of all, we give in. It looks better. It's flashy. It's sensual. Sounds good. Tastes good. Smells good. Looks good. I want to feel good. I'm all in. Second way, we give up. It's too hard. Besides, The argument seems to make more sense. You want me to love my enemy. That's just the dumbest thing in the world. I hate my enemy. I want my enemy to rot in hell. Fact, folks. There are churches out there who are teaching that we should take up guns and shoot those who do not live according to the precepts of God. Yep. Why would I make that up? But it's out there. That doesn't seem to be a whole lot different, does it? But don't… the third way is that we just give out. We're exhausted, and so we just kind of lie there, float on our back, and wherever the current goes, that's where we're going. La-di-da. And so we conform in those three ways. We give in, we give up, and we give out. And Paul says, don't conform. Be transformed. The word there is metamorphosis. Great word. Because that's what happens to a caterpillar. Ever seen a caterpillar? Monarch butterfly? Beautiful thing. Caterpillar's ugliest thing on earth gold, black, white, yeah. put that thing on a milkweed plant, first of all, it goes to town. Secondly, when it finds the right place, it creates a chrysalis. And folks, do me a favor. I read, I read somewhere where someone was using this as an example in a sermon, and they said that that transformation is just like Jesus transforming us because chrysalis begins with the same letters as Christ. See what I mean by not being different? That's not what it means. Actually, chrysalis comes from the first three letters of chrysalis, or the first four letters come from the same word for gold, because it has a golden tint as it matures, and then it becomes, you know, bluish green or whatever. But what comes out of the chrysalis? A monarch butterfly, one of the most beautiful things in the world. And you know what that process is between worm to butterfly? Metamorphosis a total transformation. Paul says, don't conform, don't give in, don't give up, don't give out. Be transformed by the continuous renewing of your mind. In other words, you have to look at the world differently. You have to understand yourself differently. It's a whole different worldview. It's a different set of lenses through which you look. And it's ongoing. You can't just put it aside. It has to be day to day, moment to moment, renewing, refreshing, re-energizing. And you know how that happens? Because the Spirit dwells within us. We are told that when we confess with our mouth and that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart, guess who comes to dinner and stays? The Spirit. And I know we can sit here and say, oh, I know the Spirit lives within us, and we don't feel a darn thing. It doesn't feel different. We're still depressed. We're still sad. We're still angry. We're still fill-in-the-blank. Folks, the good news is, is that it doesn't have anything to do with our emotions. Nothing. We can weep until we're dehydrated and still be filled with the Spirit, We can dance until we're exhausted and be filled with the Spirit. The reality is that God has promised that we are not our own, we are not alone. And because of that, we can know what is the will of God, what does God desire for us, what is good, what is acceptable. And I think our Bibles read what is perfect, be careful, that doesn't mean perfect like and flawless. That means perfect like incomplete. We're doing all that God desires for us. Now, some of you have been watching the clock, and you're thinking, how is He going to get the rest of this in a few minutes? <laughs> Remember, those who want to be better take criticism, regardless of how it was meant. Anyway, so let's move on. And and these are verses 3 through 8, so we're just going to quickly summarize this. So, if we are to live sacrificially and we are to learn transformationally, what does that look like Well, in verses 3 through 8, what we see is that it looks like labor faithfully. Labor faithfully. In other words, whatever opportunities you have to serve in the church, and 3 through 8 focus on service in the church, labor in the church. And so, Paul writes, look at this, "'For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think more highly of yourself.'" That right there for some of us would be a great achievement. Do you know the name Rick Warren? Rick Warren, years ago, pastor, Saddleback Church, wrote a book, The Purpose-Driven Life. First sentence in the book. Well, except from the front page with copyright and all that kind of stuff. First sentence in the book. It's not about you. It's not. Sigmund Freud had a heyday. And since Sigmund Freud, we have all had a heyday about ego. It's not about that. It's about we serving you. That's what it is. And so, Paul writes, we all have faith. We all have been saved in the same way. We all have access to the same God by grace through faith in Jesus. We all have been given that same faith. If you want a standard by which to measure people, measure people by the same measure you measure yourself. We're all believers. We're all sinners. We're all saved. How's that for a starting point? And so he goes on to say, if that is true, and it is true, then he goes on to say, look, Given the fact that we have that commonality, we're still different people, and and it's not different in terms of white hair, red hair, no hair, some hair, thin, less than thin. i got to be careful. That's not not it either. There's diversity in the church. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are preachers. Some of us try to be preachers. Some of us uh, uh, fill in the blank. Some of us clean toilets. When's the last time you got a pat on the back for cleaning a toilet? I'm serious. Some of us stand up here or sit up here and sing and play every week. You ever thought about giving that person thanks? Other than applause. Applause doesn't count. Applause is public. That's what you're supposed to do. What about a note? What about an email? What about a hug? Anyway, Paul says, don't think highly of yourself. We're all believers. We're all faithful. We all, and we have different jobs. So those of you who have these different gifts, go out and use them according to faith. Don't use them to build yourself up. Don't use them to build up your reputation. Don't use them so that you can stand up or sit down on a a dais or a platform and say, hey, look at me. It's not about you. And I've lost my place because I got excited." Paul goes on to say then, so that's three through eight. The fourth one, and that's labor what faithfully? Fourth point, how do we be different? We love unconventionally. And here Paul goes into great detail about we don't love as the world talks about love. Folks, Again, when you hop on your device, when you watch the news, when you're reading, whatever you're doing, when you see the word love, what do you usually see? All kinds of things. I'm not going to go into any detail. I'll let you fill in the blank. But Paul is saying to be different means to love unconventionally, and what does that unconventional love look like? First and foremost, God is love. God is love. You can't flip that. The revelation in the Word of God does not allow us to say, oh, well, if God is love, then love is God. Wrong. God by His nature is love. Love is not God. Second, if God is love and God has shared that love through His Son, Jesus Christ, and we have been fully rescued by grace through faith in that Jesus Christ, what do you think love looks like in our lives? Well, Paul tells us, let love be without hypocrisy. Don't love because it gets you something. Love because it gives others the love of God. And what does that look like? For those of us in the church, be devoted. Love one another. I know sometimes it's hard. I know that. We don't always get along with everybody. But love because you were loved first. He goes on to say, don't lag in diligence. Stay strong. It's easy to give up. It's easy to give out. It's easy to give in. Don't. Stay zealous. Be on fire is actually some of the language that's in here. And for for Presbyterians, that just scares the bejeevas right out of us. Because as soon as we hear be be on fire in the spirit, we immediately go to Pentecostals and yikes. But what's wrong with that? I'm not saying speak in tongues. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying stand up and prophesy. I'm not saying that either. I am saying seethe, burn with the power of the Spirit, desire to love, desire to serve, not for our sake but for the sake of the body, the peace, the unity, the purity of the body. Verse 14, Paul says something that sits difficult, bless those who persecute you, bless and not curse. It's important to note that when that word bless shows up in Scripture, that it means always to call upon the mercies and the grace of God. When's the last time any one of us gave serious thought to asking for God to show His mercy to someone we can't stand? Usually, we're asking God to help that person find the door, which might be a blessing. 15... Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be empathic. Loving unconditionally is more than just saying, I'm sorry, or, gee, that's too bad. Get into life. Engage them heart to heart. Don't be afraid of what you might lose by giving because what you gain is far greater. Finish this up. There's a number of other things here that we haven't touched on. You can take a look at them. Never pay back evil for evil. Yikes. That's one we struggle with. That's in the news a lot. Paul writes, and we'll finish with this, if possible, so far it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. We're not supposed to be out there waging a crusade. We've tried that and that didn't work. We're not out there to beat people into the kingdom. That's not our job. We're not out there to eliminate the enemy if they don't agree with us. That's not our job. Our job is to love them anyway, to be unconventional. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Be different. And by doing that, it's altogether possible that you might convict them. They may see the errors of their ways. They may want to know the same Jesus that we claim to know. Or you may tick them off royally. But it doesn't matter. Love unconventionally. Which brings us to this last one. Paul writes in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't just let the world take you wherever the world wants to take you, but actively engage in that which is good. Be different so that you can overcome whatever evil comes or whatever bad comes your way. We go back to how we started. What does being Christian look like in the world? What does being Christian look like in the church? What does being Christian look like in the mirror? The regrettable answer is that sometimes it doesn't look any different than the world, but we are not of the world. We have been rescued from the world, and we have that available to us if only we trust into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we make that commitment, when we make that confession, when we choose to believe into Jesus, the Spirit dwells within us, and we have the power. We have the ability to think differently, We have the ability to live sacrificially, to learn transformationally, to labor faithfully, and to love unconventionally. We have the power to overcome. Interesting word, and I'll finish. The word overcome there comes from the Greek word nikao, and you're thinking, so? So, Nikao is the Greek word from which we have the word Nike. And if you remember, not many years ago, Nike had a slogan. Just do it. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't give out. In, up, out. You hear it? Reach up. Plug into the power. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Know the freedom from sin and its penalty. Reach in. Plug into the Spirit. Allow that Spirit to transform the way you see the world and everything you do. And then reach out and show that power in faithful service, in an unconventional love. Be overcomers. Just do it. Be different. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, You have created us to be different. Different in that You don't want us to be consumed, conformed to the world. But You want us to be consumed by the fire of Your Spirit. To be freed from the necessity of separation from you, the necessity of sin, the penalty of that sin. O God in heaven, we admit our weakness. There are so many things that come against us that fill our eyes and fill our ears and fill our heads that it's just too much. Save us. We're in desperate need of a savior. May we cling to You, may we never let You go, and when we do, we have the assurance that You won't let us go, You will never leave us or abandon us. By Your Spirit, may we remain true as we look forward to that day when we will see You (laughs) face-to-face And we will know the fullness of what it means to be Greg, Denise, Bob, Linda—the fullness of being your child. Walk with us as we walk through this world. It's going to be a difficult journey, but you have already—you've already empowered us to be overcomers. To you, be the victory, the honor and the glory now and forever, amen.